You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is All In. And I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said, the worst thing that can happen to a man who gambles is to win. And the problem with gambling is you start gambling, there may be some fun to it, and people say, oh, I go to Vegas and I have a $5 or $10 limit, whatever it is. But you know what? Not everybody makes the limit. Some people say, you know what? I can do this. I'm on a roll. I'm winning. It's fun to watch on TV, and it's fun to watch somebody win on TV, but it's not fun to lose. But there's a piece of this Texas Hold'em thing that I want us to talk about, and let me read you just a little bit of the rules here to Texas Hold'em, or it's also called just Hold'em, is a poker game in which each player gets two pocket cards. So if there's six guys or people at a table, they'll deal two cards, go around, everybody's got two cards, they look at those cards, those are their pocket cards, while five community cards are dealt face up on the table. The strength of a player's hand is the best hand that can be made with these seven cards. So you get the five cards on the table and the two in your hand. There is a round of betting after the pocket cards are dealt, after the first three community cards, then here's what they're called. The first community cards, the first one is the flop, after the fourth or the turn card, and after the final or the river card. And what I want to talk to you today is about the flop the turn, and the river. Now, I don't know if you've had any flop recently in your life, and this may not be as big a one as you've had. Some friends had let us use their lake house. So we go to the lake, and I'm taking the girls out, inner tubing, trying to jump over the wakes and throw them off into the water and just having a big time. And so I guess it was yesterday or day before, I went out to the boat, and just in case something went wrong, it's not my boat, and you're out in the middle of the lake, you don't know what's happening. So I took my cell phone, and I put it in my pocket, and we went down to the boat. And the day before, I'd taken my phone, I'd put it in the little glove compartment thing in the boat, and gotten in, and we'd had a great time, no problems. So I go down to the boat and get preoccupied and get in the boat and push it out of the slough or the, whatever the dock area thing is there. And it's out there, and the girls are taking a little bit too much time getting everything set, and some other boats have come by, and the boat is starting to float towards, it's drifting into the shore. So I'm like, well, I don't want this thing crashing on the dock or on the rocks. So I jump down the water and grab the boat and push it back out, get everybody loaded, and I get in the driver's seat there and get the girls ready to go, and all of a sudden I feel something down in my pocket. And it's my brand new Razor Motorola phone. Now, I can tell you from personal experience, these are not waterproof. (laughs) And this looks like a Razor, It feels like a razor, but it is dead as a doornail. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If my kids had done it, I could have been upset. I could have said, what were you thinking? You can jump all over them. I'm the idiot that put it in my pocket, jumped in the water, got out, and now I got a ruined phone. And I'd waited until these things came down in price because I like something I can stick in my pocket. I'm not clipping all this stuff on a tool belt. (laughs) So I had to have something to go in my pocket. 
So I'm sitting there, and Rebecca's watching this. I don't know if the girls know. He's saying, well, it's just a phone. Let me tell you something. It's just, it's insanity. It's a waste. And you feel like an absolute idiot. You're a flop. And I started getting this sick feeling in my stomach. Now, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done this? When I was a kid, I was in this play. When my voice started changing, I did the song Maria <laughs> from West Side Story. I can tell you what the room looked like. I can tell you how bad I wanted out of that room because it was Maria and my voice changed that night. <laughs> and my sister happens to be here and my father who was there remembers this and I'm telling you, and you can't quit, you can't get out. I just met a girl named Maria and it would go up and down and, and I thought this song would never end and I just, you know, you got that sick feeling in your stomach. Now. You say, well, that's not your deal. You know what? It could be a whole lot worse. But we all know that feeling, that place. Maybe it's waking up in a bed with somebody you're not married to. You say, well, wow, that's a jump from a razor cell phone to adultery or fornication. Or maybe it's waking up in your own vomit in a bed somewhere after being drunk or in a crack house somewhere and things are right back where they're not supposed to be. And you feel like an absolute flop. Let me read you a few quotes I found. Jim Morris, member of the American band The Doors. It's like gambling somehow. You go out for a night of drinking and you don't know where you're going to end up the next day. It could work out good or it could be disastrous. It's like the throw of the dice. Bobby Baldwin on poker says, you cannot survive without that intangible quality we call heart. The mark of a top player is not how much he wins when he is winning, but how he handles his losses. If you win for 30 days in a row, that makes no difference. If on the 31st you have a bad night, go crazy and throw it all away. Now turn to Romans chapter 3. And for some people, these are no-brainer verses. For others, you've never heard them in your life. And one of the things we don't beat around the bush on around here is this, and it's sin. You know, if you got a bad habit, I can get you some counseling. But if you got sin in your life, I got a cure for that, and his name is Jesus. And the cure is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And too many churches nowadays won't talk about sin, won't talk about blood, won't talk about any of these things. But you know what? You got jack without Jesus and his blood and his death and burial and resurrection and in the scriptures here, and I won't take the time to read all this, the whole chapter, but a simple verse here in Romans chapter 3, this phrase in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If there hasn't been, which is an impossible for there not to have been yet, you're going to get in some situation somewhere and feel like an absolute disaster, a flop. And that sick feeling in your stomach is not just because you lost your phone in a boating accident. The sick feeling in your stomach is hopefully the conviction of the Holy Spirit who says, you know what, you screwed up. You're out of line. You missed the mark. You're not all that anymore. I just remembered another situation. I got invited to speak at some Sunday school class or some church, their Christmas banquet, and I got all intimidated, and I speak a hundred times a year, but these are a bunch of seminary professors in this class, and so I had to give them a title up front, and I thought I'd do something real in, you know, intellectual, whatever, and I got there, and I had notes everywhere, and I froze. I freaked completely out, and I couldn't make sense of my notes, and I knew some of these people, and I made an absolute fool of myself. I wanted to run out of their party, and this was like a couple of weeks ago. So 
No, it isn't all that long ago. And you know what? You just have these moments. I can recover from that. It's not the end of the world. But sin, when it sits down on you and you feel like a flop and you feel like you're just a mess, you're going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to find a cure, an answer for that. And some people say, well, I'm an alcoholic. And the answer to that problem is when I get under pressure, I'll just drink some more. But you know what? Sooner or later, you can't numb the brain pain anymore with alcohol. And it goes to something else. I had a guy come by a while back, almost a complete stranger, walked in off the street, said, I need to talk to you. And he kind of eased in a little bit. And then he started opening up. And he said, I think I've got a problem. He said, I cheated on my wife years ago and we got that resolved. And I said, I'm out there doing it again. And I said, well, how many times in the last however many weeks? And he said, like 10. And it was with prostitutes. It was with strangers, just people. And he realized his life. You know what? You think you feel bad over a phone? That guy was being eaten up because his life was being consumed and ruined by sin. Now, somebody listening has got something going on, and you are an absolute disaster, possibly a flop, to say the least. Now, what do you need if you are a flop? The simplest way I can put this, you need a royal flush. Wouldn't it be nice if life were just a big toilet, and every once in a while you could say, Jesus, you need to flush it again, because I got all this mess I've made, and I need it gone. I can't take it anymore. And the king of kings comes by and just says, it's gone. Now, you may make another mess, but there's a way to keep from making these messes again, and that's the turn. You got the flop. The next card is the turn. And I want you to turn to the book of Jonah. Some of the greatest stuff in the Bible is in these lines here in the book of Jonah. And if there was ever a flop, by the way, it was the prophet Jonah. I mean, I don't even know why God included him in the Bible. He's not good for PR in the Bible at all. I mean, the guy is a disaster. He's told to go. He's called to go do something and runs absolutely the other direction. If you know the story of Jonah, he gets swallowed by a big fish. He's out there. God preserves his life. The fish vomits him on the shore. And then chapter 3, go to Jonah chapter 3. Once Jonah turns and warns the city of Nineveh, then they in turn turn as well. And let's look at this in Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, and there's a lot of comfort to me in those words. Now for me, it's not the second time. I don't even know which time I'm on, and I don't know how many times you're on. But we run away from him, and the Holy Spirit comes back and says, where are you? What are you doing? Come back. And it comes to us again and again and again. But here it was just the second time to Jonah. And he said, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was what he was told to preach. He just went through town saying, you got 40 days and the city's done. Now I'm going to tell you as a preacher, and I would think Jonah as a prophet, you think, well, that didn't work. You can't just walk through a city and say 40 days and you're done. Who's listening to that? The same question I ask, who's listening to me or any other preacher who gets up and says, well, here's what the Bible says, and people look at you like, yeah, and? I'm going to do what I want to do. You know what? Something happened in this city that was different. One guy walks through a city, this huge city, and says 40 days, and these people were such a disaster, had gotten to such a bad place, they knew something was wrong, and they knew the hammer was about to drop, and something goes off. So the people of Nineveh believe God. 
Now, let me tell you what I don't think we expect sometimes. Sometimes I feel like we're just dropping seed out of an airplane and don't know where it lands. Let me tell you something. The Word of God, when it lands, it lands, and it sticks, and it hits. And whether you know it or not or see the change or not, you cannot come in contact with the Word of God mixed with the Spirit of God and something not happen. It's just not possible. And if it does, your conscience is seared, you're gone. And that ought to scare you in a whole other category. Something stirred in these people, this whole city. They believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, the king now is saying, let's do this. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Even the animals can't eat. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way. Now look at this. He's saying, let us turn from our evil ways. Let him turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? A king in an entire city crying out for God. Now let me tell you something. As long as I got breath, the only thing I know to do in a city like this where we live is to say, God, if it can happen to a Nineveh, why can't it happen here? This city is full of flops. And the longer I live here and wherever you live, you may live in a whole other city. No matter how successful people get, no matter how big it builds, I drove out the toll road to go to this lake house. And I'm telling you, the toll road will never end, I guess. And all the way up the toll road, land and subdivisions and houses, and it just keeps going. But you know what? All these houses and all this stuff ain't fixing it. And people got stuff going on on the inside, and they are starved. They are hurting. They're under pressure. The neighbor got a new Lexus. Somebody else bought a boat. Somebody got a lake house. And what are we doing? Are we keeping up? Are we going to make it? The pressure that's out there, and yet inside there's an emptiness. And yet a city in the Bible, the whole city, from the king all the way down, says, repent. Maybe God will change his mind, turn and relent, turn away his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Then verse 10, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Psalm 46, go a few over. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as at the break of dawn. Let me tell you something. You can't read the Bible without reading about the river. Go back and read Ezekiel, and Ezekiel saw a river coming out of the temple. Go to John chapter 7. You can read chapter 7 to get some context, but for the sake of time, I'm going to jump in here at verse 37. I think it was the Feast of Tabernacles, and it says in verse 37, On the last day, 
that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know what? I've never been drunk in my life. On a vacation one time, somebody had bottles of tequila and some beer and whatever was out there on this vacation. So I thought, you know what? I'm missing out on all of life. So I took the cap of the tequila bottle and I poured a little tequila in that and I took a sip of that and, you know, I thought, well, I can drink gasoline cheaper than this. (laughs) Had a little sip of beer. I went around, tasted all this stuff. You know what? I just don't have the gift. It just does nothing for me. But you know what? There are people that just driving by a liquor store, it just makes their heart race. they got to drive home a different way, and they get thirsty. They're not thirsty for water. They're thirsty. There's a dry taste, something in their mouth. And I don't know because I've never been there. You say, well, they just need to quit drinking. You know what? Easy for you to say. But Jesus says, are you thirsty? If anyone thirsts, this is a thirst of the soul. This is a thirst that nothing, no one, no alcohol, nothing on the planet can satisfy. And he knows that. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you're going to drink, drink me. If you need a drink, go to Jesus. You say, well, that's not working. How long have you tried it? Is your way working? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now let me tell you something. Sooner or later, the river's got to flow. Now, what was he talking about? But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me tell you something. It's all been covered. He has shown up. It has happened. The Spirit of God is alive, and he is in you if you're a believer. What he is saying here ought to be going on in our lives. There ought to be a river of living water coming out of our lives. And it ought to be a river that anybody who gets near us goes, man, there's life in that life. I got to get near that river. There is something about your life, something about your person, something about you as a human being that people say, man, I just got to get near that guy. What's going on with him? What's going on with her? There is life. There is something they need. They're thirsty. And the only taste of it they're going to get is you. You say, well, it doesn't matter how I live, and if I screw up, God's going to take me anyway, and I'm just going to do what I want to do till I die. Great for you. You spend eternity in heaven by the skin of your teeth, baby. But what about all the people around you who get left because you wouldn't let the river flow? Revelation 22. I hadn't thought about this till just this second. Revelation 22.1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. My mama has seen that river. A pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. There's a river. 
And that tree of life, Adam and Eve screwed up and got locked out of the garden. You know what? The tree didn't go away. It's still there. And we will eat of the fruit of that tree. All in. In Texas Hold'em, you can have what is called a monster hand. And there are things like tells. And a tell is when somebody can look at you, you know, and you start playing with your chips or something. You start doing something goofy and they go, "Uh uh-oh, this guy's got something. Don't mess with him. What you're trying to do is not let anybody know what you got poker face but if you flip up the your two cards and there's a couple of aces or whatever you've got and then another ace flips on the you know the flop and all you know you're showing aces it's a monster hand and what instinctively happens after you suck a few people in and make their bets one of the great moments watching poker is where a player will say i'm all in and they take all their chips and slide them just a little bit away from them and say i'm all in I got a monster hand, and they could be bluffing, but if they got a monster hand and they say they're all in, what they knew was there is no way anybody can beat me. Go to Philippians chapter 2. One more passage. One of the things I love about God is there's no reservation. And one of the things I love about Jesus is he, when he said he's coming, he is all in. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let's jump in there. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he was willing to be all in, then what does God do? Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All in. Why? For us. Jesus went all in in spite of our flops. His kindness leads us to the turn, and he has given us access to the river. And all we got to do, we've got a monster hand. Now let me read you something here, the definition of the word gamble. A risky act or venture. Money that is risk for possible monetary gain. Take a risk in the hope of a favorable outcome. The biggest gamble of all time is to count on there being no God or face Him on your own. You want to gamble? Die without Jesus. Let's see if it works. It'll be too late. Faith is not a gamble. God holds all the cards. You better get all in with your life. You better move everything you've got and say, God, I'm betting everything on you, but I realize now it's not even a bet. It's absolute proof positive, guaranteed. If I trust you, you're going to take care of me. I'm moving all in. I give you my life. I understand now I'm a sinner. I've got flops in my life. I want to turn around. I want a piece of this river. I want to get connected close to you where my life works. Maybe I never am rich, but I want to be rich in the things that matter. I am all in. I'd give you everything, my past, my present, my future. I trust you with everything I've got, my fears, my failures, everything, God. And I'm asking for a new heart, a new life, a new start, a clean slate. Show me how to live the way you intended. You say, well, oh, that's all great, and people aren't Christians, need to become Christians. And what about all of us who are Christians and holding on to our chips just in case God doesn't come through? Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. 
Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. You know, it may be time for you to move all in finally. You know the Greek word for all in? Kurios Christos. Christ is Lord. Jesus Kurios Christos. Jesus Christ is Lord. You say, well, I just wanted to be my Savior. I want a ticket into heaven. You know what? It's about living life. And at some point, you're going to have to make Him Lord. And to make Him Lord, you're going to have to push it all in and say, I got nothing to hold on to, God. It's all you. I'm done. And if I screw up tomorrow, I'm going to repent. And I'm coming back to the river. I'm going to move all in again until one of two things happened. Either I got nothing else to confess or I'm standing face to face with you. If you're not a Christian, move all in. This Jesus moved all in for you. And if you are a Christian, quit holding back. Give him everything you've got. You got a monster hand. Why hold on to it? Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.